person that they presented themselves to be. And all of a sudden, life begins to unravel, and they begin to be exposed. And now, uh, you know, the most famous physician, Dr. Huxtable, uh, sits in prison, right? You you think about news celebrities who uh, seemingly were on our airwaves on a regular basis, whether in the morning or night, who now are disgraced and can't find a job in television any longer. Uh, We could go on with with those in religious circles as well, and and business, movies, and there's all sorts of high-profile unravelings that are happening in our culture, and now seemingly with the internet, everyone finds out and everyone's uh, news are are publicized, and um, it's a scary moment for some who have skeletons to hide. Yet, I don't want to talk about kind of the high-profile unravelings this morning. I I want us to think about if we drew a 10-mile circle around this church, and we went out this morning and we started to interview people who are dealing with difficulty, what would we find? You'd find the husband who's left it all for the greener pastures of adultery, who's seemingly leaving his family to crash and burn, to pursue the relationship that he wants most. You might find a young man who's in a good job who suddenly crashes and burns because of an addiction that takes over and takes control. You might find the young person who cracks under the pressure of, of, self, uh, uh, of school and they're, they're overtaken by self-injury or an eating disorder. You'd find all sorts of situations if we were to go out this morning and begin to interview the lives of those around here who seem to be in a position where life is beginning to unravel. They're like, what was a year ago is not now, and my life doesn't seem like it's going very well, and I'm struggling. And and the reality is that Proverbs, and you just read it, is a book about wisdom. It's calling out to people in all sorts of difficult situations, and it's saying, will you choose, will you embrace wisdom about the various situations that you're facing in life? And uh, I I resonate with this as a father of of 12 and 14-year-old boys. It's a dad calling out to his sons and saying, here's the way life works best, sons. You need to listen up. You need to understand that these are the principles that you need to embrace in order for your life to be successful. And because this is the way life works under God's rules. If you embrace wisdom, this will be the result Proverbs 9 said, if you embrace folly, this will be the result. So he holds out this contrast between us. He says there's wise living and there's foolish living. Proverbs 19.8 gives us this summary, and it says this, He that getteth wisdom loveth his own soul. He that keepeth understanding shall find good. That is the way the King James says it. The ESV says, whoever gets sense loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. The one who gets wisdom loves life. The one who cherishes understanding will soon prosper, it says in the NIV. So what is wisdom? Wisdom is ultimately seeking to understand how God created life to work and choosing to live accordingly. Wisdom is is knowing how God intended for us to live our lives. Now, here's the question. How do we get it? Well, ultimately, the Scripture says we get wisdom from God Himself. That God imparts wisdom to us. but We get it from experience, it tells us, that as we go through life, we... We can learn what works and what doesn't. We get it from others. But today, here's what we're going to look at. One of the sources of wisdom that Proverbs lays out for us 
is this topic of friendships. It says, if you want to embrace wisdom, you need to embrace wise friendships. And, and the question I want to ask this morning is this. What difference does it make if you are a person who embraces wise friendships? How much better can you navigate through life's struggles if you have wise friends around you? How much better can those around you manage their way through life's struggles if they have wise friends? You see, you see the reality is that when I'm walking alongside those whose life is beginning to unravel, I often ask them the question, I ask him the question this, what do your wise friends say you should do? In counseling, I, I ask that question often, what, what do your wise friends say you should do? And, and I get some interesting responses to that question. And um, they're, they're, um, some look at me kind of perplexed. They're like, I, I'm not sure who you're talking about. I, I, I'm not sure who in my life I have. That's why I'm in counseling, because I'm not sure that I had anybody that I would trust to, to help me through the situation that I'm facing. You know, others might come to the conclusion, I, I don't agree with my wise friends. They've told me that I should stick it out. They told me that I should knock this behavior off. They told me that I should change this, that I don't have the right perspective, but I'm not sure I agree with them. The last is, some say, well, I probably should do what they suggest. But one of the things you realize when you begin to walk alongside those who are going through significant struggles is that there's often a common denominator. And as you're walking through their struggles alone, they don't have the support and strength of wise friendships. They don't have wise friends who know the choices they're about to make, and there's no one there to stop them. And here's what you realize in Proverbs. Proverbs makes it extremely clear to us that living your life without wise friendships is a dangerous place to be. Do you get that? Living your life without wise friendships is a dangerous way to live your life. That you may lack the ability to navigate through some of the decisions and some of the difficulties that you have to make in life if you don't have wise friends to give you advice and input. So, Here's where we're going this morning. How, how does this church become a place where deep and wise friendship can be found? How, how do people who need wisdom find it here? And one of the answers and one of the reasons why biblical counseling is seeking to, uh, is biblical counseling as a movement and biblical counseling center even here, as you guys are embracing that, one of the answers to that question is, uh, that this church wants to have people who are trained and ready to give an answer to anyone who struggles with wisdom. That, that they would be able to find someone who could have a conversation with them, who would embrace them and be a friend with them, and, and that they would be able to be a conduit of wisdom, the kind of friend that sharpens iron, the kind of friend who calls you out if necessary, the kind of friend that helps you up when you fall down. So how do we become a church of wise friendships. A church where people have wisdom when they need it. A church where, where people are confronting those who are struggling with wisdom and compassion. So Proverbs gives us four reasons why we need wise friends, and it gives us one warning. So we're going to look at four reasons from Proverbs this morning 
Why do we need wise friendships? Why are wise and friendship, friendships so important within the church? So if you have a Bible, flip open to Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. And we're going to flip around to a few different Proverbs this morning, but, but I wanted to capture the heart of the topic of friendships from, from the book of Proverbs, and it's interspersed throughout the book. But Proverbs chapter 20, verse 18. says this, plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. You don't have to look back any further than the last 25 years of American history to figure out that when we go to battle without a clear exit strategy, what happens? It, it creates a difficult situation, right? And, and so sometimes if we don't have all the information, what happens when we go to war without all the information? Well, we, we, we end up with a bit of a difficult situation to know how to win and how to get out. And, and clearly, if you look back over the history of America and you look over the history of even civilizations, you realize that going to war before you have all the facts is costly, right? Even Solomon, thousands of years ago, made that observation. He said, if you go to war without knowing what you're doing, without knowing the facts, he said, you're, you're going to end up in foolish positions. But what's the print larger principle? Well, churches thrive best when teams of people work together. Why? Because it increases your chances of success. Right? What about marriages? Do marriages work together when both spouses work together to bring input? Well, of course. Because... It increases your chances of getting the right information, the right input. What about children? Do children work best when they seek the input of their parents? Okay? The kids are always like, uh, I'm not sure how to answer that. The parents are always like, yeah, that's exactly right, right? Um, parents uh, know that our children work best when they take the input of their parents because their parents are there and have experience to give them the necessary information so that they have a broader perspective of what they need to do. Do bosses work best when they seek the input of their employees? Of course, right? Who wants, to work for an, who wants to work in an employment situation where your boss won't listen to anything you say and won't take any input from you? It's disheartening. And, and here's what Proverbs teaches us. We, we are fools when we go at major decisions in life alone. Wise people seek the input of trusted friends. Now ask yourself and evaluate. Is that the way I live my life? When I need to make major decisions, do I seek the input of trusted friends who have wisdom, who can help me to think through the decision that I have to make? Solomon is saying, wise people seek the input of trusted friends. Now, how do we apply that within a church situation? Well, we, we need to be having those kind of conversations, being open uh, and seeking wisdom. Both those of you who have wisdom, sharing it with others, and those of you who are seeking wisdom, seeking it from those that have it. But don't be foolish and don't go at your life decisions alone. Um, skip down now to verse 29. Verse 29, it says this. Chapter 20, verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. And as my hair gets more gray, I used to say that, you know, gray hair was those who were above 40, right? And that was when I was in my 30s. Now I say gray hair is above 50, right? And, uh, but, uh, um, but, but here's the reality. 
Um, I, I'm not going to make people self-select whether you're in the gray hair category this morning, okay? Um, you know, you don't have to self-select, but some of you it's pretty obvious, right? That, 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 that there's, this verse applies to you, right? And, uh, but, it, but it says, old people work smarter and young people work harder. It's kind of with, with the principle, right? He's saying like, that, that, that there's old men who, who know and have a perspective. It's like the glory of young men is their strength. Like they can just keep going, but, but, but they don't often act in, in, in wisdom. But now let me ask this question. Is this church a place where those with wisdom are accessible to those who need it? So if you're somebody in here and you say, you know what, the gray hair, the wisdom is something that I think God has given me. God's given me the ability to see through situations and discern things. And I've been through a lot of situations in life and I found God to be faithful. Is this place a place where those who need wisdom can find it from those who have it? And the conduit for that is often friendship. If you have gray hair and maturity, are you sharing your wisdom? Are you friends with young people who need your wisdom? What, what about people from other ethnic origins? Are, are we willing to, uh, are we willing to, to learn and grow? I know I, I'm appreciative of the fact that next week is Orphan Sunday, and my two boys are adopted from Ethiopia, and uh, it's opened our eyes to a whole uh, new uh, part of the world, um, and even a whole new dynamic with raising uh, a transracial family uh, within the United States. And uh, it's given us a whole new awareness and appreciation of uh, people from other backgrounds and origins. Yet the reality is that uh, are, are we humble enough to listen and to learn? I think we have a lot to learn from each other. I, I think there's different strengths and weaknesses to different backgrounds and uh, cultures. And are we willing to take wisdom from there? But what about wisdom from people from other life stages? Uh, young people, are you willing to learn from old people? And old people, are you willing to learn from uh, each other and from young people? But how does this play out even within the midst of counseling? You, you think about, some, some of you have gone through cancer. What difference does it make if you have somebody who knows what that process is like, who's willing to walk with you through that difficulty? Why did God bring you through cancer? Some of you have been through divorce or family breakup and, and difficulty. What difference does it make if you have somebody who is willing to walk with you through marital restoration and they can tell you, I know without a doubt it's possible that if you respond right, that you will be blessed by God. What difference does it make? Why did God bring you through a season of marital difficulty and you're like, you know what, it's embarrassing to even think about the separation we went through and, and the difficulty and, and it was ugly and you're like, I'm not even sure I want to talk about it. But the reality is that people are going to be blessed if you talk about it. They're going to find out that God is faithful. What about addictions? Some of you have gone through addictions, whether substances or sexual addiction, and you've gone through difficulty, and God has brought you through that season. Why? That you may comfort others with the comfort with which you've been given. See, see the reality is that part of this thing with friendship is that God brings a church together of people of various backgrounds, and he says, you will be impacting each other by the stories of grace that God has shown you. That's the point of friendship. That's the point of biblical, wise friendship. So as you think back over your life, what are the stories that you need to be telling to encourage others within these seats? 
some of you who are pursuing biblical counseling and pursuing an opportunity to engage those in your community. Now, why? Well, you can show that wisdom to others, that you can be a person who has found God faithful, and you have wisdom. So wise friendships increase our perspectives. God, God has saved you for a point, and that you may be a disciple and make a disciple, and that you can go and make disciples of people, but you have a natural connection with people who've gone through the same difficulty that you have. And God is going to use that. Now, sometimes we have to learn how to have conversations with those who are struggling. It was a few years back, almost 10 years ago now, that I got the phone call on a Friday afternoon and a mom was sobbing on the other end of the line. She said, please pray. My daughter's been in an accident. She's 15 years old, but she was going on an ATV and uh, her and another young man hit a tree and it doesn't look good. And by Saturday afternoon, she was signing papers to donate her daughter's organs and removing her daughter from life support. And, um, and it was hard, and she called me down from Chicago to, to help and brought a group of kids down from the youth group that had participated in a funeral. They'd recently moved uh, just a few hours away and uh, was able to kind of really share the gospel in the midst of uh, a, a funeral, and we'd become dear friends with this, with this family, and we go down to Missouri often, and uh, we spend time with, with uh, the, the parents and with the two sons uh, that were left behind. And uh, I can't imagine the pain of losing a child. Some of you know that pain. I don't know that pain, but I, I can't imagine that pain. And uh, yet, one of the things that has been redemptive coming out of this is that uh, the, the mom has started to write a letter to every mom who has lost a loved one in an accident in the state of Missouri. And she puts it out there. She says, I'm willing to talk. Here's my daughter's story. Like God was faithful. He brought us through this. If you need somebody to talk to, call me. Now, now why do you think moms call her? Well, it's pretty obvious, right? Because they, they want to talk to somebody who's been through that pain, right? Like, like you imagine that that pain would be uh, breathtakingly difficult, right? And it is. Yet, she's had tremendous opportunities to share her faith and to share the gospel and share the good news of what heaven is going to be like with other parents who are struggling dealing with the loss of a loved one. See, even in the most unimaginable pain, God brings uh, a purpose. And I, I just feel called to challenge me this morning. Some of you have been through that unimaginable pain. It may not be the loss of a, a loved one, but you know what it's like to be hurt. And God might be calling you to share your story. And as you guys think about a vision, and, and a great vision, to be a biblical counseling center here in Mound, but, but to reach out to your community, I, let me to challenge some of you who, who feel like, you know what, the pain's so deep, and I'm not sure that I'm going to be ever, ever able to share that effectively. To embrace a process where you kind of trust God, to say, I want to be that kind of friend to people in Mound.
that there's people outside the, in that 10-mile sphere of influence, there's people who are sitting home this morning hurting, wondering why God has allowed this pain and difficulty into their life, and they're wondering if it will ever go away. They're wondering what life now is going to be like. And you have a tremendous opportunity to, to share the comfort that you've been given by God. Maybe you're still working through the pain yourself, and you might be at a point where you need to sit and talk with someone and try to figure that out, but let me encourage you to do that. That might be the next step for you. But wise friends, increase our perspective, Proverbs tells us. Flip back to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20 says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. The third principle is this, that wise friends protect us from suffering harm. Wise friends protect us from suffering harm. I was talking recently with a Christian college graduate from a school. If I told you the name of the school, you, you would have, most of you would have heard of it. And um, after a stressful week, he devised a plan to um, spend Friday afternoon at home. And um, so he, uh, he had done well for, for work that week. He had landed a major contract. And so he just devised his plan that he was going to sit out on the back porch and he was just going to have a drink and he was going to enjoy a sunny afternoon doing not much of anything. And by the time his wife got home at 5 o'clock, he was laying intoxicated on his bed, passed out. It had gone too far. Now he was an executive at his company he was smart enough. He was active in a local church. If, you would, if I were to read the doctrinal position of the church, you would say, okay, that's a good church. Yet the reality is if we begin to counsel, we realize this. He had no wise friends that he talked to on a regular basis. And the reality, I think all of us would say, that wouldn't golfing or hunting or fishing or catching a ball game be a better way to blow off steam on a Friday afternoon? I think we'd say that would be a healthier way to go about it. And um, yet he had no wise friends that he could... Uh, that, that were challenging him on a regular basis. Now, I want us to think about, again, this 10-mile circle around us. I want, I want you to think about the young person sitting in your living room who thinks that she can tame her hothead boyfriend. She says, you know what, if I marry him, he'll probably change. He'll calm down. He'll become the person that I really want him to be. Now, some of you with gray hair are shaking your head right now, no. Be because what, what's the reality? You know how that story turns out, doesn't it? That, that, that there's, there's moms sitting at home within 10 miles of here this morning wishing that their family would be at church, but they're married to a man who has no spiritual interest whatsoever. He doesn't care about the things of the Lord. He doesn't care about God. He cared about it a little bit while they were dating. Yet he still acted like a fool. And what do we find? We find that if you follow through with marriage to a hothead, you, you most often are married to a hothead. That marriage only intensifies our struggles. It doesn't minimize our struggles. Guys, there's a warning in Proverbs, is there not? To, to say that if you associate with an angry man, you become like him. 
right? And, and I think those of us with wisdom have seen the scenario play out. But what about the friend who is constantly trying to get rich on, on get-rich-quick schemes, and they move from one uh, platform sales to another, and they move, and they're constantly trying to get, get rich and strike it rich, and the reality is what happens? They, they realize that even home-to-home sales or internet sales, that those who do not work very hard at selling do not sell, right? That, that nothing, there is no get-rich-quick schemes that do not require a significant amount of work. What about the young person who thinks they can party all the time, and they're at University of Minnesota, and they think, you know what, once I'm 22, I'll stop, Right? Once I have a job, once I have a career, like, I'll stop acting like this. I'll stop partying like this. But right now, I'm 22. Like, I'm going to enjoy my last year. Yet the reality is that what happens when they graduate? Does it all stop? Do they magically become available or become able to stop all substances? Or do they become more dependent upon them as the stress only increases in their life? The reality is that most oftentimes they become more dependent upon them as the stress increases in their life. It becomes more difficult. And, and they struggle. See, see, the reality is this, that if that young person had a wise friend who said, you know what, you're going overboard, like you're struggling, and, and you're not putting yourself in positions where uh, you're likely to be successful, a wise friend could protect them from harm. But a companion of fools, what happens? For certain, they're going to suffer harm. So wise friends protect us from harm. Proverbs 18.24 is the last verse here. Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. If I had to put this into modern-day vernacular, I would say this, a, a man with many Facebook friends comes to ruin. Right? Because how many of your Facebook friends could you call at 2 in the morning when you need help? Not too many, right? The people you know, but if you call them at two in the morning, they'd be like, don't ever do that again. Like, that we're not friends like that, right? Like, that's not the way they are. And, and it tells us in Proverbs, he says, you know, a man of many companions, if you just have these buddies, you can come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And the reality is that for, for years, I think we've known this, or throughout church history, we, we've known that this ultimately is a reference to Christ. That Jesus is the friend that sticks closer than a brother. That ultimately Jesus is our friend, but even beyond that, this is the friend who speaks for God in our life. It's the one who represents Christ in our life. It is the one who reminds us of the need for the cross. It's the one who tells us to live in light of the good news of the gospel when we are down. It's the friend who corrects our thinking when we're thinking incorrectly. It's the friend who pushes into our stubbornness to get us moving again. It's the friend who holds up Christ for us and says, he is the answer to the struggles that you're facing. Do we have those kind of friends in our life who point us back to Christ in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our difficulty? Young people, high school students, I'm talking to you real quick. Do you, do you have friends who are pointing you to Christ? Or all your friends point you just to things apart from Christ? You, you, you don't find Christ on your iPhone too often. If the iPhone is the only thing that's influencing you, you won't find Christ there. There's not too many places. I'm not going to say there's no good places on the internet, but, but get my point. Facebook friends are not enough. 
friends that are closer than a brother. We need a relationship with Christ, and we need a relationship with people who are walking with us towards Christ. So Proverbs 18, chapter 1, verse 1, gives us this warning. So we have four reasons why wise friends are, are good for us, and there's this warning if we reject the need for wise friends. So we'll just look back here. Proverbs 18, verse 1 says this, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Ultimately, what, is it, what does Proverbs tell us? It says, if you reject the need for a wise friendship in your life, you end up looking foolish. That, that foolish uh, behavior is the result of living in isolation. So, here's the question. Will you embrace the wisdom of being friends with wise people? Will you embrace that kind of wisdom? So, um, guys, there, there's reasons why you need wise friends. There's reasons why you need to be wise friends. There's warnings against not having wise friends. But I, I want to close with this. How, how can this church be a place where wise friendships are found, kept, and thrive? How, how can this be a church where wise friendships can be found? How, how, do, how does this be a place where wise friendships can be kept? Like that, that you have wise friendships and you keep those wise friendships and, and those wise friendships stay in a healthy place. And how can you be a place where wise friendships thrive, where they actually make a difference, where your friendships are impacting yourselves for good, where, you imp where your friendships are impacting the church community for good? And so we're going to look at these kind of five words, and they're, five, they're all being with F, but um, Proverbs 17, verse 1, gives the first principle, and it's choose to be friendly. Proverbs 17, verse 1 says this, Better is a dry morsel with quiet than a house full of feasting with strife. So let me ask this, is this a friendly church? Is this a friendly church? I don't know your church very well. Seems like a friendly church. Yet the reality is I've been in enough church situations to realize that being a friendly church is a choice. It's a choice of, of the people who come here on Sundays to be welcoming and embracing. Are you a grumpy person? Okay, some of you, you're like, you're not going to point at anybody. No, I'm not going to point at anybody this morning, okay? I get to see all your faces at the same time. So I'm not thinking of anybody who looks grumpy this morning, but, uh, you know, but, but the reality is, if we come to church grumpy, sometimes because we've forgotten about the good news of the gospel. We forgot what we're doing here. And, and God calls us to live that out in our friendships, to take joy in the gospel, that we choose to be friendly, that we're welcoming people in. I know that's why you do the Wednesday meals, right? To, to welcome people in, to be friendly. I, I, I would just encourage you that some of the best biblical counseling can happen in informal settings. And I say this, that sometimes biblical counseling happens better over pancakes than it ever happens in, in an office. And with those of you who are working with youth, I, I often would say that McDonald's, the corner booth, was the place where I would do most of my counseling because you get a hamburger and an ice cream sundae and a junior high boy, and all of a sudden they start to open up, right? They start to, to talk about their difficulty, and, um, you know, they can't talk for more than 15, 20 minutes. But that 15, 20 minutes makes a major difference in, in helping them to begin to focus on some truths and focus on some things they need to do differently. Because junior high boys need wise men in their life, speaking truth into their life. College students need wise people in their life, speaking truth into their life. They need college students to, they need 
uh, older people within the church to embrace them. And you might go, well, I'm not sure I can do anything fancy. You know what? Uh, grilled cheese, macaroni and cheese, a hamburger. It doesn't have to be fancy. A home-cooked meal for a college student and a conversation is amazing. College students would embrace that. Choose to be forgiving is the next principle. Look down to verse 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. There are no lasting friendships without forgiveness. You will never forgive more than God has forgiven you. So take the risk and forgive. Because if you're going to be a place where friendships are kept, you're going to have to choose to be a place that forgives each other. I'm not speaking to any particular conflict in, in particular this morning, but, but if that's you, take the risk and forgive. Maybe within your own home, within your own family, within your relatives, you, you need to embrace that opportunity. Next one, Proverbs 27, verse 6. Proverbs 27, verse 6. Choose to be frank. Choose to be frank. So it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now, wouldn't we like that to read? Faithful are the wounds of an enemy, and profuse are the kisses of our friends. That's the way we'd like it to read, yet the reality is that um, we, we need to uh, be willing to speak frank truth. It's interesting now, in an age of political correctness, it's really important that we're careful with the way that we talk. Yet, what, how, and when we speak all truth, speak the truth matter. But I think sometimes in our attempts to gain a hearing, we go too far, and we fail to challenge people. We, we, we fail to uh, hold up truth. And, and being frank is about boldness. It's about risking the relationship to speak truth. Invite people to be frank with you. Provide your friends with immunity so you can learn from them. Because I'm not telling you to be bold in sharing truth with everybody. I'm asking you to, to invite people to be bold in sharing truth with you. Do you get that? So some of you are like, I'm going to go tell everybody the way it is. Right? No. But I, but I am saying, is there anybody in your life who can share the truth with you that doesn't have to walk on eggshells that you're going to flip out and get upset with them? And, and choosing to be frank is important. Just being able to speak the truth and be able to talk it through and have a conversation without it going sideways. Next principle is Proverbs 27.10, a few verses down. It says, do not forsake your friend or your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. And family, if you have a family nearby, they would help is what it says, right? But sometimes family is not enough. We need friends. And you consider our culture now where people are transient, where young people uh, tend to move and come and go. And I would just tell you this, that hospitality is more of a ministry than ever. One of the things that I grew up in, in the home of a youth pastor, my parents started Biblical Counseling Center, and now they've been counselors for 40 years, but people often ask, how did they become counselors? And the reality is this, that a youth pastor became a counselor because my mom made a decision that she was going to cook double every Sunday. So she, it was either a roast or chicken legs. She put it in the oven at 9 o'clock. By the time we got home at 1 o'clock, the house smelled wonderful. It was on slow cook, right? And uh, you know what? But every Sunday, 40 out of 52 Sundays a year, they purposely invited people that were hurting to our house. Some days they knew the families they were going to invite. Other days they just would look around and they'd look for families to invite. And the reality is that as a kid, people were like, was that kind of weird? I'm like, no, I ate dinner and then I went outside and played. And sometimes if they had kids, I would go outside and just, we'd be out there for hours. 
And the reality is, as they sat in the living room, what happened? People started to open up about their struggles and their difficulties. And you know what they assumed? That somebody, if somebody cared enough to prepare, prepare a meal and to bring them into their home, that they cared enough to listen to their struggles. And could my parents always help them with their struggles? No, but they always were people that could be willing uh, to help. And choosing to be family is important. Hospitality is a great ministry. Last one, Proverbs 17, 17. Choose to be faithful. Choose to be faithful. It says this, A friend loves at all, t- all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Friends will often come and go. Come and, go. and deep friendships take a commitment over the long haul. You won't be with everybody in this stage of life and the next stage of life. But in, in our American culture, we tend to value individualism very highly. We don't want to be dependent upon anyone. And we don't want anybody to be dependent upon us. And that might work economically, but it doesn't work spiritually. And you and God will not be as strong as you, God, and others. You need others around you to grow. So choose to be faithful. Choose to be a faithful friend. So what... what if I had to summarize my point this morning, it would be this. What am I asking you to do? I'm asking you to evaluate your friendships. For some of you, you might struggle to say, who are my wise friends? And you need to cultivate friendships with people who have wisdom. So evaluate your friendships. Do I have wise friends? Second, for some of you, the challenge is this. Expand your friendships. Do others need your wisdom and support? Are you being the kind of friend who goes out on a limb and shares truth and shares wisdom with others who need it. Are you willing to expand your friendships or your friendships just for your own purposes, just to serve you? We all need wise friends. Do you get that? We all need wise friends. Do you have one, and are you willing to be one? I hope that I've encouraged you this morning to embrace the importance of wise friendships, both in your life, but also the way that you can impact others for Christ by choosing to be a wise friend. Let's embrace that together as a community. Really, that's what the heart of biblical counseling is all about. Say, how do we give wisdom for life so that people can walk in ways that are faithful and fruitful and joyful in their walk with God? And you can encourage people to do that. Let's pray together. God, I am grateful that you've uh, brought us here this weekend to study about biblical counseling and to study about the importance of wisdom and how do we share that in effective ways with those who are struggling in our midst and in our community. God, we know that you have brought us through many seasons of difficulty for a reason, that you have comforted us in the midst of dark moments. You've brought us through periods of disobedience and rebellion. You have helped us to gain new perspective when we were lacking wisdom. God, it's not for no reason. There's a point. God, help us to embrace that point. As a church, help us to be the kind of people that embrace wise friendships, that choose to be that and choose to to seek that and and, uh, choose to impact others for your name's sake. God, we are grateful for your son and how he was the great friend to us, that he died on the cross for our sins so that we could be free, so that we could embrace wisdom instead of foolishness, so we could embrace righteous living versus sin. God, use uh, this time this morning to be an encouragement uh, to that end.
I thank you for this opportunity in your name. Amen.